Are you ready? Let me say it first. You repeat it after me. John. My name is Tim Lemire, and I love the Beatles. I also love language. I'm a writer, editor, and author, so language is my livelihood. Why not make a podcast where I use the Beatles' music to talk about the English language? This is The Beatles' English. Episode 12. One, two, three, four... The Beatles English. Hello, Beatle people. Welcome back. This is episode 12, and that means the end of season two of this podcast. It's been a lot of fun these past six months talking about my favorite band, the English language, and where the two intersect. It sometimes happens here in the United States that someone is out and about. They're they're waiting in line somewhere, or they're on a bus or in a subway car, and they overhear someone else speaking in a foreign language. That is, a language that is foreign to the person listening. And that almost always means not English. And the person listening either thinks to themselves or says out loud, Hey, this is America. Speak English. Now, because English is my first and only language, no one has ever said such a thing to me, but if they did, I would respond as politely as I could muster, which English? For it is true, and for my money not discussed enough, that if you traveled to different places in the United States of America and struck up a conversation with someone who is speaking English, you might not comprehend or even understand what they're saying. This is especially true if you, as an American, travel to different places in England, where English is also predominantly spoken. Someone in England could be speaking to you in English, in their English, but what you hear sounds like a garbled, unintelligible spew of sounds like a foreign language. Why is that? Some of it may be due to dialect, to grammar or usage that is specific to a particular region or group. Some of it may be due to idiom, phrases that are either figurative or peculiar to a particular area or group of people. And some of it may be due to differences in pronunciation, Differences in inflection, that is, how syllables or sounds in a word are given different emphasis, or differences in accent. So, for anyone who goes around saying, speak English, you need to be more specific, because there is no one English. And depending on where you are, say, in the United States, or in England, or in other places around the world where English is spoken, someone may say to you, speak English, when you think that's already what you're doing. 
To my mind, this is what makes the English language so wonderful and so endlessly fascinating. The differences and the ways that English has evolved and continues to evolve differently in different places and among different people. What does this have to do with the Beatles? Well, it has to do with a quote that is attributed to George Bernard Shaw, among other people, that the Americans and the British are two great people separated by a common tongue. We do speak the same language, but some language is peculiar to the Brits. The Beatles recorded all of their songs in English, with a few notable exceptions. The Beatles, as you may know, cut their teeth as a band playing in clubs in Hamburg, Germany. So when Beatlemania struck, the German sub-label of EMI Records persuaded the Beatles to record She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand in German. Now, reportedly, the boys were not excited about this idea, arguing that in Hamburg, they'd been singing to German audiences in English and no one ever complained. Hey, this is Germany. Speak German. And yes, I, I realize that's English, not German. Anyway, the Beatles went ahead and did it. And the following year, in 1965, Paul recorded his love song, Michel, partly in French. An interesting thing to my ear is that when Americans refer to that song, they call it Michelle. But Paul, in singing the song, emphasizes the first syllable of the girl's name, just like the French do. Michel, ma belle. Even though the rest of the Beatles' catalog is in English, there are, within many Beatles songs, examples of slang, idioms, and references that are more likely to be understood by a British person than by an American. That's what I'm going to talk about in this episode, what I'm calling the Beatles' English. There are many moments in songs by the Beatles in which they refer to specifically British things, but Americans might miss these references, even though they're in English. For example, in the song Polythene Pam, John sings, She's the kind of a girl who makes the news of the world. Now, John is not suggesting that this girl is world famous. News of the world is the proper name of a British newspaper. Uh, not one that's known as a bastion of high journalism. A similar thing occurs in the song Paperback Writer, in which Paul sings, His son is working for the Daily Mail. It's a steady job, but he wants to be a paperback writer. Now, when I was a little kid, hearing this song for the first time, I thought Paul meant that the son was a mail carrier. He works for the Daily Mail, right? Nope. The Daily Mail is the name of another British newspaper. So, the son's a reporter. Or maybe he just sweeps the floors at the Daily Mail, and he tells people he works for a major newspaper. Another example. When I was very young and heard the song Penny Lane for the first time and the lyric, 
In Penny Lane there is a fireman with an hourglass, and in his pocket is a portrait of the Queen. I thought he had a locket, or a cameo piece of jewelry, with a picture of the Queen of England. I thought, boy, he must be in love with the Queen. But of course, as all Brits know, anyone who carries a pound note in their pocket is carrying a portrait of the Queen. Just as in America, we might carry around portraits of the presidents. Or if we're a real player, Ben Franklin. Now those are just references to British things that might escape an American's ear. Let's talk about British slang, or idioms. And I think the first thing we should do is explain the difference between slang, jargon, argot, and idioms. Slang is informal, non-literal speech. For example, in the Beatles' song, Norwegian Wood, This Bird Has Flown, John Lennon is using the word bird as a male slang for a young woman. Now, in America, we most certainly do not call women birds. We call them chicks. John's use here of slang is a pun, and as I've pointed out several times in this podcast, the Beatles are very fond of lyrical puns. The refrain of she loves you, yeah, 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 employs a slang variant of yes as a way of broadcasting that this song is by young people for young people. You might say that the fountainhead of slang is young people. Teenagers and people in their 20s are always making up new words and phrases. Why? Well, slang serves to differentiate the young from their elders. It celebrates casualness. And also, I'd say, slang serves as a form of signaling that one is in possession of a kind of cultural intelligence and experience, what was called at one point being with it or hip. If you know and use the slang, the lingo, you're part of the group. You're one of the cool kids. That was as true in the 1920s when young people called cars flivers as in the 1960s when young people said to each other, give me some skin, to the more present day when young people say that something is lit or whatever they're saying. Slang, <laughs> slang has a way of surfacing like every five minutes and then someone uses old slang and you say, oh my gosh, that person is so uncool for saying that. An idiom is also a non-literal form of speech, but it's typically more figurative, more colorful or humorous. To say that it's raining cats and dogs is an idiom. To say that you're dressed up to the nines or to beat the band is an idiom. Those are rather antiquated idioms, I realize that. A rather crude idiom that the Beatles use is in the song Happiness is a Warm Gun, when John refers to a man who eats a soap impression of his wife and donates it to the National Trust. The latter half of that lyric refers to the fact that a public park in England is owned by a group called the National Trust. And to donate something to the National Trust, 
is to urinate or defecate on public property. If I've forever ruined that lyric for you, I apologize, but it is a good example of Beatle lyrics using an idiomatic phrase. Jargon is a kind of slang for grown-ups. It refers to words or phrases that are particular to a professional group. Corporate speak is a form of jargon. Instead of saying, I'm too busy right now, jargon would say, I don't have the bandwidth. Now, there are countless examples of corporate jargon, and while it's similar in its function to slang, the odd thing about jargon is that adults use it and deplore it at the same time, whereas if young people deplore a particular kind of slang, it's not because it's slang, but because it's outdated. Argot, which is an unusual word, argot refers to words or phrases used by a particular group, but it is a secret language known only to members of that group. Argot is a kind of verbal secret handshake or signal. Now let's look at some examples of slang, idiom, or different words that Brits use for common objects, words that appear in songs by the Beatles. Ring my friend, I said you'd call Dr. Robert. In the Beatles song Dr. Robert, the use of the word ring as a transitive verb is how the Englishman says telephone or call my friend, as in did you ring him or he rang me up. Now, clearly, John could not have written the line as call my friend, I said you'd call, and telephone is too many syllables, so the British term in English helps him out here. And yet, in the song You Won't See Me, Paul sings, When I call you up, instead of when I ring you up. Now, perhaps Paul was thinking here of an American audience, but this line is followed immediately by Your line's engaged. Translated in American English, the line's busy. But since this is one of Paul's breakup songs, there's a cute irony that the couple in this song may not be engaged, uh, but the phone line is. Let's skip a few years to Across the Universe, in which John sings, Thoughts meander like a restless wind inside a letterbox. Interesting note, in England, a letterbox can be what we Americans call a mailbox, but it can also refer to the slot in one's door through which the mail is delivered. Your front door in England has a letterbox. In Lovely Rita, Paul sings, May I inquire discreetly, when are you free to take some tea with me? Now, I imagine a lot of Americans, then and now, and maybe a few Brits, hearing this line, thought that Paul is referring to marijuana, that to take some tea is to take a drag on a joint. Uh, maybe, but I remember many years ago we had house guests from England, a mother and her young daughter, and as we were sitting down to dinner, the mother turned to her little girl and said, Eat your tea now. I said to myself, uh, what? <laughs> Eat your tea? That is when I learned that tea... T-E-A 
is what people in northern England, where the Beatles are from, call a hot meal served around 5.30 or 6. So when Paul says to Rita, when are you free to take some tea, he's asking her out to dinner, and as the song indicates, she accepts. And when the check arrives, Rita pays. But in England, the check is the bill. Got the bill and Rita paid it? We in America refer to bills only when they go in or come out of a letterbox. One of my favorites is in the song A Day in the Life. When John sings, it's time for tea and meet the wife. The speaker of the song is not introducing someone to his spouse. Meet the wife was the name of a situation comedy on BBC television. So this is John's way of saying that it's the late afternoon. In America, we might say, it's time for dinner and Wheel of Fortune. In a previous podcast, we explored language in the song She's Leaving Home and noted that at the end of the song, our unnamed runaway is meeting a man from the motor trade. Now, in Brit-speak, he is a car salesman. He doesn't just sell motors. He sells the rest of the car, too. Now, that may sound odd to us as Americans to call a car salesman someone in the motor trade, but bear in mind that the name of the American magazine is Motor Trend, not Car Trend. Cars are not the only vehicles with motors. Okay, time for some trivia. Beatle fans know that although the album Let It Be is the last released Beatles album, the last album the Beatles recorded was Abbey Road. So even though it wasn't the last recorded Beatles song, the last Beatles song on vinyl is Paul's disarming ditty, Her Majesty. Now, not long ago, my girlfriend and I were watching an episode of the TV show The Crown, and someone exited a room where Queen Elizabeth II and her husband Philip were present, and this character said, respectively, Your Majesty, Your Highness. In Britain, only the monarch, the queen, or the king, is addressed as Your Majesty. Why do you suppose that is? Now, while you're thinking about that, a brief word that my name is Tim Lemire. You can find episodes of The Beatles English on Apple Podcasts and on my website at timlemire.com, where you'll also find more information about me. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe or leave a review. That helps other Beatle people to find it. So, why is the monarch in Britain referred to as Your Majesty? Well, as is the case with so many things, the answer lies in the etymology of the word. The word majesty in Middle English means greatness of God. And because the monarchy of Britain, as in some other countries, is founded on an idea known as the divine right of kings, that Almighty God chose this person to be queen or king, it is only fitting and right that this God-chosen person should be addressed 
as your majesty. Paul's comment that her majesty's a pretty nice girl is either a little bit of beetle cheek or Paul is talking about someone other than the actual Queen of England, of whom, with loving and tongue-in-cheek deference, he refers to as Her Majesty. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this exploration of the Beatles and the English language. I wish you well and take care. My name is Tim Lemire, and this is The Beatles English.